Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you for the lovely ministry song and the beautiful worship this morning and all our worship team and singers. Thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Let's give them a clap this morning. Um, we're going to dismiss the, the preschoolers now. You can go and uh, there's teachers waiting for the preschoolers. And if you have small babies in the sanctuary this morning... We do have a televised uh, area, a mothering area, um, a dadding area, <laughs> completely correct here, uh, on the balcony foyer. It's televised. You can catch the service there if the children start to, in any way, become disruptive during the preaching of the Word of God. Please comply and just go there and enjoy the service this morning. Good to see you all. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's worth repeating in our first Hebrews 11 verse 6. Many of you know it very well. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Say impossible with me. Impossible. Just remind yourself it's impossible without faith to please him. Whoever comes to God must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want to speak briefly about faith this morning. It's a massive topic, so I'm not going to go into the different types of faith that the Bible mentions, from the gifts of faith to believing faith to overcoming faith. I want to talk about your simple belief and trust and walk with the Lord, your faith in God. And I want to talk about that faith today because I believe that is the one area that is under constant attack is your faith. You may think it's your health, you may think it's your finances, you might think it's even your emotional well-being. All those things are very, very important. But it actually is all to do with your confidence in God. In the entire attack of the enemy, the world, the flesh, everything that is not of him is to bring your faith to nothing and to really, really bring you to a place of, of a wilderness experience as a Christian. Many Christians that succumb to the attacks against their faith end in a terrible wilderness. And I've seen it. I've been there. I've been in the wilderness. I've seen others in the wilderness. I've come out of the wilderness. I've seen others come out. And I've seen other die, others die in that wilderness of unbelief. The number one attribute of the Christian will be your faith. And that's what the enemy is after. I want you to remember that. That is the battle. The battle is not about your sin. Can you see amen? We battle with sin, but it's not the battle. That battle has been won. Hallelujah. The cross stands triumphant over every sin past, present, and future. 
but the issue is faith versus unbelief. And that's the battle of ground for the Christian. We have passed from dead works to life. We are not talking about uh, repining and, over, and retracing every step of our, of our last seven days since we were here in church together and wondering, have we been in or out? Does he love me or love me not? As some think, you know, that's some people's experience with God. Their understanding of God is so, so on new covenant, so not new covenant that they, they are not understanding the depth of the cross and the depth of their salvation. Your experience with God is never to be something that is up and down like a helter-skelter. You know, it's never to be so fickle that you look at it like picking daisies. I remember many years ago when we were falling in love at 12 and 13 years of age with different uh, people in our, in our schools and some cute girl came in and everyone said, if you pick a daisy and you start picking the petals and you say, she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. Wave at me if you ever did the daisy. I knew you did it, Dara. And I certain, Teddy, I was absolutely certain you did it. Many times you picked the daisy. Yeah. And then if you got, she loves me not, that was it. You blew her out. That's, she's, she doesn't love me. But it's amazing how many Christians look at their Christian experience with God like that. He loves me. He loves me not. You know, we sing that great hymn, Blessed Assurance. Wish it was mine. Jesus is mine. And I want to tell you, the battle is for your faith is to erode your confidence in who Christ is, what he's achieved for you, and every element of this world is, will stack up against it. We see it in the life of the Lord Jesus. Jesus experienced after being led in, in Matthew 4 and also Luke 4, you'll read of the journey of the Lord Jesus Christ actually straight after his baptism in the Jordan. The baptism of Jesus is very different than your baptism or my baptism, and is very different to the baptisms of John even at the time, even though John baptized him. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, and Jesus had no sin to repent of. But what he was doing is he was repenting as a man in the sense of laying down his life, you know, before God, surrendering it to God in the waters of baptism and saying, no longer God will I be led on my own faculty, but as the second Adam that will pay for the sins of the world, I will now live a life of total obedience to you. And I lay down all my personal abilities to keep my life governed by my own ability. And I would do nothing other than what the Spirit tells me to do and leads me. And immediately when he came up out of the waters of his baptism, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. So God was testing his commitment. God was testing just like the first Adam was brought into that fate relationship with the Father. And yet when it came to the time of testing, he fell. Thanks be to God, the second Adam endured that 40 days. But there he was tested, friends. When the heat has turned up on your faith, that is called the time of testing. And, you know, I don't want to repeat myself too, too much this morning, but I think we all understand that none of us are wrapped in some sort of isolation valve that, or some sort of safe zone that testing and temptation and trial doesn't come our way. It's life. 
We are living in, in the world, friends. Jesus said in the world, it will be full of tribulation. It will be full of trial, full of testing, full of temptation. But he said, be of good cheer, cheer up, because I've overcome the world. Amen. I want to give you confidence. And of course, the devil is going to try to whisper in your ear and say, that's not quite true for me. It's true for others. But I want to tell you this morning, it is also true for you. Hallelujah. It is not an elite group of people. That walk in this sort of a victory, friends. It is ordinary men and women that have laid hold of a very fundamental fact that God who set his design upon me, the God who set his affection upon me, the God who brought about such a great salvation will bring it to completion. And even through the difficulties, and friends, I don't despise or belittle the difficulties that many are going through. And you only know your issues. I don't know most of you here in, your, in the intimate parts of your life. But I'm sure you're going through the ringer at times. But even in the midst of that, God is for you. You see, this is the just living by faith. It's a step of faith, friends, in the middle of your trial to be able to lift up a hallelujah. It's a step of faith, friends, when the doctor's report isn't good to say, it is well with my soul. It's a step of faith, friends, when people turn against you and say all manners of evil because of him. It's a step of faith to say to God be the glory. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. And those times will come upon us. The heat is turned up on your faith. Jesus, would he lean in his own power and authority or would he be led by the Father? You know, when you look in Exodus chapter 15, We've always, we always return to the Exodus story because it's a great caricature of our own lives. But three days after they've been brought through the mighty Red Sea and they have danced and they have sang and, and Miriam has led the praise and worship and, uh, and sang her song and the, the horse and the rider have been thrown into the sea. Three days later, they're murmuring and complaining. They had seen the most dynamic move of God that anyone had ever seen. Not only had they been released through the ten plagues struck against their enemy, but they'd been brought through on dry land through the Red Sea and God had been with his people. And yet a little test comes upon them and they're beginning to murmur and they begin to complain and question the very presence of God. How dare they? But did they sound like anybody you know? Amen. Have you ever found yourself in that place, Christian, where you've been at the summer fire conference and you say, can it get any better than this? I'm ready to be raptured. Oh, I think I could go out and lay hands and anyone in the hospital and they're going to get healed. I'm ready to walk in water today. And then you leave Trebulgan and you find yourself in a miserable Monday morning and the boss is breathing down your neck and all of a sudden you're even denying the very presence of God in your life. Does it sound like anyone this morning? It's common to us, isn't it? They started to murmur, complain, even question God. But I, I, I have a message this morning, that, and I don't like to bring messages like this because I think it's, it can be misconstrued, but I feel the Holy Spirit sometimes burdens the hearts of ministers to bring thoughts that sometimes we need to consider our ways. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says, Take heed, brethren. Be careful, it says, brethren, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that will depart from the living God. And so there is a charge from the Holy Spirit. If you want to live in one gigantic wilderness, let sin go unchecked in your life. 
Let sin go unchecked in your life. Take heed. Sin is the kryptonite to your faith, friends. Sin is the very thing that begins to create unbelief in the heart of the Christian. And actually all of Hebrews 3 is talking about the children of Israel in that journey into the promised land. And how they let sin go on and checked, unchecked in their hearts. And how it began to create unbelief in their hearts. Even though they'd seen much goodness and kindness from the Lord, they're, they're at every junction. They're unbelieving. They're complaining. They're murmuring. They're ready to go back to Egypt. They're ready to stone Moses. They're complaining that God has abandoned them. All of which was completely untrue, of course. But that sin began to rise up in their heart and create a spirit of unbelief. Hebrews 3, 18 and 19, he said, To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. If you're in a place this morning as a Christian, where your faith is an all-time low, you have to understand that it may be because that there's areas in your life that are, that are weakening your faith. There's areas of compromise that you've let the enemy in, I think of the scripture, the Bible says, because of a lack of knowledge, my people are perishing. Sometimes it can be areas that we're engaging with the world that are not righteous, relationships that are not godly, practices that are not kosher, you know, belief systems that are not biblical. There's things that we watch, taste, do, and see as a Christian that we shouldn't. There's relationships that we shouldn't be having. There's people that we shouldn't hang out with. The Bible's very clear, it's bad Morals corrupt, but bad, bad company corrupts good morals. Morals, thank you, Andy. He's my number one right man for shouting the right word when he sees me. He knows me better than everybody. He knows my scattered profile, and he knows, he knows the next word. Amen. We've been walking together a long time. Bad morals corrupts good con character. Andy, speak up louder. I can't hear you. And we can see, friends, even the company you keep can corrupt your character. You know, you ask yourself this morning, am I in the wilderness as a Christian? Because this is what happened to the children of the Lord. They had the promise of God in them. But sin upon sin, and God came and he forgave them and he overlooked it and he, Moses interceded for them. But because they didn't, they didn't even go unchecked in their hearts, it created an unbelief in their life. When you look what happened to that unbelieving generation, they were turned back into the wilderness. From then on, their portion in life would be leanness of soul. They wouldn't see the glory of God. Instead, they would become focused on their own problems, consumed by their own lusts. And this is exactly what happened to the people of God. Leaving sin go on and checked in their life, they lived in a perpetual wilderness. It was not the will of God. It was not the heart of God. But something, sin has that ability. Hebrews 3, seek with brethren that none of you is sinful. Unbelieving heart. It's telling you that sin will create unbelief. Sin will begin to change your view of God. Now it doesn't change God's view of you. That's wonderful. Amen. That's the wonderful thing about the new covenant. With the new covenant, God says, I will never turn away from you. 
In the old covenant, when the people sinned, God would turn for a time and the enemy would come in, the Midianites would come in and wreak havoc upon them and they would, have, they would have famine in their land and they would cry out to God and he would send them a Gideon and a deliverer and, and they would repent and, and the presence of God would break forth again. Not like that in the new covenant. He, he said, I will never abandon you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But our ability to be able to receive that kindness, friends, can be severely eroded by actions of our own life that go unchecked and undealt with in our lives. That's what happens to all unbelieving people. They end up consumed with their own welfare. They have no vision, no sense of God's presence, no prayer life. Rarely open the Bible. They no longer care about their neighbors or a lost world. Or eventually even their friends. Their friends are only a mean to an end as some sort of dulling of their boredom. Some sort of just, you know, collectible along the journey. Instead, unbelieving people set their entire focus on their own problems, their troubles, their illnesses. They go from one crisis to another, shut up in their own pain and suffering. And this is exactly what happened to Israel. The people of God, the promise of God upon them, the nation that was favored, the nation that was brought out through the mighty deeds of Moses through a Red Sea, and now the precipice to come into a promised land, and yet sin was left unchecked, and it began to erode their faith. The opposite to faith is unbelief. And sin begins to develop that unbelieving spirit. Always begins to lower your view of God. It begins to make you centered around yourself. Their days were filled with confusion, strife, envy, and division. This is what sin does. If this in any way affects your life this morning, I don't bring this message to condemn you. I bring this message to tell you there's hope. Amen. But you have to confront issues in your life as the Holy Spirit puts his hand and his finger and aspects of your life. Have you got the honesty? Have you got the honesty to say, oh God, I've brought myself into a wilderness. Oh God, I know you love me. I know you've set your affection on me. I know the blood avails for me today. But I have scored an own goal here. I have locked myself into this wilderness now for nearly 40 years. The people of God, they're dying. Their children are dying. Their grandparents are dying. None of them entering into the full fullness of what God had for them. And I think how awful that is for so many of us Christians not entering into the fullness of what God has for us. Pastor Patrick bought a lovely word when I was away, and I preached a very similar word up in Belfast. The story of the, the siege of Samaria. And you know the story, there was a famine, and, and, and uh, cannibalism is breaking out, they're eating their children. The enemy's outside the wall, but a word comes through from God that, that you know, in 24 hours' time, you know, see a flower is going to be sold for a shekel in the city, in the city walls. And, and the great story goes on to these lepers that are outside the wall, the Syrian army are outside. And these lepers are there. And there was a saying they said, and as, as I was listening to Pastor Parker's message on my way down from Belfast, it kind of jumped out at me. They, they, these lepers say to, said to themselves, 
Why should we wait until we die? And I've got it. I was thinking about that. I was thinking, why do you want to wait till you die till you come into the victory? Why are some of you resigned to say, well, you know, my life will be just one big wilderness as a Christian. There will be one big confusion. I'm going to heaven. Yes, absolutely. But I never really will experience the victory and the joy that I see all over the scriptures and in the life of other people. And I want to say to you, what an awful sadness that is for God today. Some of us have been so affected by sin that we have lowered our eyes down to a natural level here and can't see the fullness of God anymore. Can't see the fullness of his salvation. And so your pillow talk to yourself is, oh, when I get to heaven, it'll be okay. When I get to heaven, at least I'll, have, you know, I'll, I'll shed this past and all my idiosyncrasies and failures. Because I'm not talking to insecure church. We teach you better that to be insecure in this church. We don't believe you're in and you're out and you're in and you're out. And you know that's not the theology. But sin can bring you into a wilderness. And it's amazing. The attributes of that wilderness is the same for all of us. All about me, my problems, my fear. Looking over my shoulder, looking back, looking around. What's coming down the road? Covering my trail, covering my lack of true spirituality. Could quote a scripture, but I can't live it. When you look back at what happened to this unbelieving generation, they, 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 they got turned back into this horrible place, friends. How many wasted lives? In this self-inflicted wilderness. How many this morning, even if there's only one and you're in perpetual wilderness, God is telling you there's something that is happening in your life. There's something that you are allowing into your life that is eroding your faith. It's bringing you down a dark place. It's bringing you to a place of no victory, no peace, no joy. You have the right answers, but you're not living in faith. I think of Moses. Moses himself, I'm sure, recalled how his own sin brought him for 40 years into a wilderness. Yeah, Moses, the man of God, he had lived this. He was back in Egypt. He was a prince in Egypt. And his own bad temper and his own murderous heart slew an Egyptian. And his awfulness and his anger, God had to deal with that. That was something the Lord had to deal with Moses later on. It, it followed him in many ways that he never got, he didn't step into a greater victory over his anger. God had to chastise him when he struck the rock rather than speaking to the rock. There was a level of anger and, 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 and that he didn't deal with. But I'm sure he did remember how he, you know, how he brought himself into a wilderness and sin can bring you into a wilderness, friends. T- today, many are just merely content to exist till they die. Thank God those lepers weren't ready to just exist. Hallelujah. <laughs> are you fed up of just existing? Do you want to come into something far greater with God? Do you want to be able to look back and say, you know, my life did matter, it did count. That there is love and joy and peace and kindness and meekness and gentleness overflowing in my life. I, I may not have much in the bank, but that doesn't matter. I'm storing your britches in heaven where no tax man can take. I don't have to worry about how it's going to work out or pan out. Merely content to exist until you die. Please don't live there. Don't live there. Don't settle for that. They could, they, they, you know, the children of Israel, they, they turned the wilderness into a cozy den. 
Even when it came to moving in later on, two of the tribes, they were so happy just to kind of, you know, well, we'll stay here. We've made it into a type of a home. Or we'll help the church come into fullness, but we'll never really walk in it. Dan and the half-tribe of Manasseh were like that. The rest of the ten tribes were ready to move in and move into the fullness of God, but they were still kind of, they turned the desert into a cozy place. I want to ask you this morning, maybe you're, maybe you're hugging your desert. Maybe your sickness, maybe your upbringing is your story. That every opportunity you just love to burden somebody else how bad your life was and how bad my mental health is. How bad my sickness is here and my sickness, oh, this pain and that pain, this thing and the other thing becomes your talking story because that's all you know. There's no hope in it. You kind of, you kind of enjoy it. It, it. it gives you some level of comfort. It's your, it's your identity. So many people are leaning in with false identities because they can't see a way of victory. So many young people confused about their sexuality and their orientation because they can't see a way of victory in the way God has made them friends. That's a lack of belief. That's a lack of faith. It's not that their DNA is more sinful than yours and mine. Absolutely not. Mine's as bad as it gets. But there is a victory in God, friends. There's a place where the Christian must forsake sin. And say, I am not by the grace of God letting compromise come into my life because I know what it will do. It will lead me down a wrong narrative. It will lead me to a wilderness that's very tempting. A wilderness is like an old pair of shoes, friends. They look shabby, but they're kind of comfortable. But you don't want to wear it with your Sunday best. It just clashes with everything. Some of you are wearing the old shoes under a nice shiny suit, but everyone spots those old raggy boots in you. Some compromise in your life. So many people, they, they, they latch on to a story about their lives that, that they wanted. They might as well be their identity because they can't see a way of victory. I kind of get that. I think what a shame. What a shame to see the whole same-sex marriages going and seeing the mental health issues that are breaking out in all these people's lives. What a shame to see men and women live addicted to pills and going to shrinks and needing therapy every second day, needing some sort of physical engineering every second day, needing some sort of barbiturate or some sort of drug to keep them up and going. Why? Because they have a lack of faith that God who brought them into this world can bring them through this world and bring them to heaven. It's about faith. God can lead you, friends. God can prepare a, a table right in the middle of your enemy. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And Christian, this morning, don't settle. Don't settle for that sort of, well, I'm out of Egypt, but I'm in this middle ground here. I'm not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. Yeah, Pharaoh doesn't rule over me. Yeah, I have a testimony. I was water baptized. I came to the Red Sea, but I'm in this wilderness because I've just let sin go unchecked in my heart. And it's eroded my faith and my confidence in God. Don't let it, trends. Don't let it, don't turn it into a cozy place. They refuse to believe his word. <coughs> They've become hardened by their unbelief. Now they're just ready to die. And I've met so many Christians just ready to die. Just on the edge of falling off the very wagon of God, the very salvation. Thank God salvation is so powerful. 
And God, he catches you. But I'm telling you, friends, it's no joy to God's heart this morning to see those of who are his beloved, those who have owned him as Lord and Savior, who've come out. That's not the will of the Lord for you. He's a promised land for you. I said he's a promised land for you. And you don't have to die physically to enter that land. You can enter it right now. You can walk in the promised land now. You can walk this in newness of life. You can walk under the power and the anointing of the Spirit. You can walk with a clean heart and a clean conscience. You can know the victory that God has promised every man, woman, boy, and girl through the cross of Jesus. Amos says about a famine of hearing the word of God. And so many are like that in our churches. There's a famine. Not that God's word isn't spoken in this church, but there's a famine because you have eyes and you don't see and you have ears and you can't hear. That's a dangerous place for a Christian to week in and week out go through the motions. The scriptures talk about building a house and not living in it. It talks about buying clothes but not being warm enough. It talks about having vines but never being able to drink the wine. And what an awful place to get you in your Christianity where, where other people are enjoying the house of God. Other people are enjoying the new life of Christ. Other people are drawing from the Spirit. And yet you have a doctrinally correct, but you're never apprehending that. Church, I want to tell you, that is the sadness in God's heart this morning for his people. What even natural father would want to see that for their natural children? And how the heart of God aches this morning. Jesus said in Matthew 15, he says, These people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Many hearts have been hardened by the power of sin giving themselves sinful thoughts, sinful lusts. Don't have a hard heart this morning that will turn away from the living God. Jesus said in Mark, he also says, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now the leaven of the Pharisees was known as hypocrisy. But it was hypocrisies because they ascribed to a certain doctrine that they didn't truly believe in. That's what it was. They had fallen into real unbelief about the message themselves and just became religious people. You know, God forbid that we become like that. That we have the right belief system, even the right doctrine, but there's a gaping hypocrisy about us because there's a real unbelief at the core of our hearts. Do we really believe that he can prepare a table in the wilderness? Unbelief has placed the foot of the enemy on your neck. You can feel him. He's horrible, man. He hates you. He wants to destroy you, your family, your marriage, your children. He wants to destroy your health, your peace. He wants to put that foot upon your neck and keep you there. Keep you underground. Keep you from the victory. Keep you from the presence of God. Keeping you from, from living a life full of joy and happiness. The Christians should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. Pastor Steve was talking about we have peace with God. The Bible says through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Peace in a time when men have no peace. The Bible says in the end days millions will cry peace, peace, but there'll be no peace. And there's no peace, friends, because if you think you can have peace outside of God, then you are on a fool's highway. All you have at best is a Mexican standoff, but the fight will kick off another day. The peace only comes when the Prince of Peace comes with healing in his wings. Faith, the Bible says, comes from hearing, 
and hearing from the Word of God. Hear what the Lord is saying to you this morning. Psalm 137, David says, If I forget the old Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. He was a musician, of course. He was a harpist. And he was all about not just the city of Jerusalem, but the, the God of that city. That psalm is all about his love for the things of God, for the city, the, the affections of God. But when you start to forgetting the things of God, you start to forget how to worship. You start to forget how to really praise. You know, you can play your instrument, but you're not really playing it. You can raise your hand up, but it's not really there. Oh, you can sing the great songs, do the clapping, do all, every, but it's still not at the races. Here's the antidote. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. This great verse actually in Isaiah 51. I love this because this is true for you and for me. And it's true tomorrow as well as it is for today. The Lord your God who pleads the cause of his people. I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling and you shall no longer drink it. I want to reassure you this morning. You don't need to be drinking it anymore. And I will put it into the hand of those who have afflicted you. Who say to you, lie down that we will walk over you. And you have laid your body to the ground and to the street for those to walk upon you. But he says to you this morning, awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Shake yourself from the dust. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck. You sold yourselves for nothing, but you shall be redeemed without money. I want to tell you the cross of Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The blood speaks a better word over your life. And God would call you to that cross this morning and says, come to the fountain of life again. Come and experience the cup of trembling being taken from you and given back to the enemy. Come and stop groveling under the weight of your own failures and sins, but bring and confess your sins. Confess your faults and confessions and say, oh God, here I am. Be determined in your heart as a Christian by God's grace and power. I will lead my life the way God, live my life the way God has intended it. I will not bring in areas of hemorrhage to my faith. I will not let the enemy adore in. I won't give him a foothold into my life. But I come this morning around the very presence of God around the cross which we've celebrated and I put all my confidence in what Christ has said about me. I put my confidence that he has not held my transgressions against me. I put my confidence in the fact that though I have compromised in so many areas of my life, he is still the same towards me. He hasn't changed one shadow. There is no shadow or turning in him. He is forever with his arms open wide, loving you, caring you. Now it's up to you to open up your arms and say, I receive it. Don't live in that wilderness another second. Don't let the enemy keep his foot on your neck. Don't let a door for him in, because he'll take it, friends. He'll drive a horse and carriage. You open that door, he's in. 
You try to justify sin in your life, he's in, unbelief starts to creep in. All of a sudden, that sin starts to, you know, it doesn't separate God from you, but it starts to change how you look at him. I remember this when I started to see this in the scriptures many years ago that I knew that God didn't change towards me when I sinned. I could see that in the scripture. It's a great mystery, but a great truth, an undeniable truth. He loved me the same. It didn't make any difference because the, the blood had already satisfied his justice and he had nothing but love for me. But I saw in my life, as I let sin in my life, all of a sudden I could see my fate becoming eroded. I, could look, I started to look at God differently, the church differently, my family differently. I felt the hardness of my heart and Hebrews 3 became a reality. And I could hear the voice of the Spirit said, Nick, don't have a sinful heart because it's going to lead to unbelief. And you'll start to turn away from God and you'll end up in the desert, in the wilderness. Oh my gosh, I've been in those wildernesses, sometimes much longer than what I thought, until the mercy of God would come to me. Hallelujah. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. I never once felt condemned by him. But I'll tell you one thing, I got sick of that wilderness. I got sick about the compromise. I got sick of no victory. I got sick of having a test me without no power. I got sick of just telling other people there's a victory in Christ and not walking in it myself. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to shine. I said, Lord, I'm here. I'm honest this morning. I'm in the wilderness. And some of you don't even know why you're in the wilderness. But if you come to God and say, God, I'm in the wilderness. Is it of my own making? He will show you. And you have to have the honesty then through his power to deal with it. That's why the scripture says all he demands out of you and I is honesty. He doesn't expect you to fix yourself. It's not good because you can't. You can't. If you can fix yourself, you don't need him. You can just fix yourself. But there's an honesty that God wants from his church. That's why the scripture says, I desire honesty in the inner parts, in the very core, because God can deal with an honest man, with an honest woman. Not a dishonest one that tries to hide her sin, make an excuse for it, validate it why it's not sin. That's what the world is doing. You see the Church of England and all these other backsidden churches try to validate their sinful life. Oh, we have to embrace these things because that's a reality. It's a reality of those who get hardened by the power of sin. But those who embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ and come to the fountain of life, there is a power release there, friends, that will absolutely defeat every unction of the sinful nature and get you to a place where you are living above excellent that you're living in the glory of God, that you may not have much in the natural, but you don't look at it in the natural anymore. You look at it in the spiritual because you know that's eternal. The natural will pass away. It's slowly passing away. The miles are going on the clock. The body is breaking down and heaven is more beautiful today than when I first was introduced to it 40 years ago. Hallelujah. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful unbelieving that turns away. Do you see the pattern? Leave sin go unchecked, it will start changing your faith. And then God is there, arms open wide as you go, I don't even know if you love me. I don't even know if you exist. I don't even know what you care. That's what sin does. And that's why this morning it comes as a grace to us to come again and say, oh God, I think I've been hardened by sin. I think I've been hardened by sin.
It's amazing. You know, when we get that new heart, the scripture says he gives us a new heart. Ezekiel, I'll take out the heart of stone and give a heart of flesh. I'll give you a new heart. You know, even what heart transplants today, <clears throat> the biggest fear of a heart transplant is the host rejecting it. The own body says, oh, I don't know what this one starts to attack it. So they have to give it a, med a medicine or a medication that fools the heart, the system, to believe that it's actually part of the body. It's, it's actually your own heart, and it doesn't attack it with its immune system. Thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit of God is living in you. Thanks be to God that when we start to reject God, the Holy Spirit comes not condemning, but convicting. He doesn't come to condemn you. He says, you're miserable. You're in a, you've, you've locked yourself in your own prison. And I remember Patrick years ago, I, I thought it was great. He said, man, you're, you're, you've locked yourself in the prison. You locked yourself into your own prison and you swallowed the key. And yet God comes to you and says, it doesn't matter what you've done. Just open your heart to me again. Come to me again. Come to an altar this morning. Make an altar where you are. Young people, many of you know, you know far too well what I'm on about. There's areas of your life that are so often compromised that it's bleeding away your faith in God and it's eroding it to a place where you're nearly thinking, I don't know if I believe in this anymore because that's what sin does. Sin is deadly. Sin can't change God towards you, but it can change how you think towards him. And so this morning, I'm just going to give us an opportunity. We're going to come to an altar. It's an altar so that you can come out of your wilderness and come to a place where you can confess to the Lord things that are not right in your life. Not in some sort of morbid way, but in, some, in, in, in an honest way. Because we, we do need to apologize for our sins. We do need to say sorry with a godly sorrow. And then we say, God... You have to give me strength with this one because I'm caught with this one. It's pulling me away from you. Some of you are caught with the internet. Some of you are caught with bad lifestyle practices. Some of you don't pay your taxes. Some of you are gossips. Some of you are just like children of Israel. You're just tearing down leaders and tearing down other people around you. It's amazing when, you, when, when sin gets hold of your heart. It's all about you. Your sickness, your problem. You don't care about anyone. You can't even pay your tithes. You can't even, you can't even help a poor person. It's all about, so that's what sin does. It makes it all about you. Insulates you from, from becoming part of the divine nature of reaching men and women with the love of God. It robs you of everything. And all of a sudden, you're, you're stuck in your home, in your bedroom, surrounded by your own voices or negative voices. And, and they're destroying you. And God looks at you and says, I love you. I shed my blood for you. Not to just bring you out of Egypt and bring you to heaven. Yes, ultimately that. But I want, to be, I want to see you happy. I want to see you at peace. I want to see you in victory. Embracing the great life that I have for you. But for you to do that, you're going to have to be honest with me this morning. You're going to have to call out sin in your life. And you're going to have to come to me and say, God, I'm dealing with this. I'm bringing it at your, to your feet. God will send the Holy Spirit and he'll give you victory. I have no doubt about that. He does it every single day to millions of people. Why not you? Will you stand this morning right across the church? We're going to come to an altar. <clears throat> Ben's going to lead us. If you, if you want prayer, we're going to lay hands with people. We're going to pray for people this morning.
if you, it's a pastor, this area's going on in my life, I don't want to disclose to anyone, but I, I do want to acknowledge what God is saying to me, and I'm going to come forward, and I'm going to pray and rededicate my life to the Lord. I, I encourage you to come. I don't, what I discourage you to do is to just let this play out in your head and walk out the door because you'll harden your heart even further. You have to consider what the Lord is saying because the hour is very dark and the powers of darkness everywhere and they're trying to trip you up. And this is an opportunity from the Lord this morning to come and step back into his presence and to bring those areas that are not flattering to you or to the testimony of the gospel privately to the Lord and say, oh God, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting honest here, Lord. And as much as I can, by your grace, I'm backing away from these vices and wickednesses. I want my faith to grow again, Lord, so that, Lord, I can begin to share my faith with other people with a clean conscience. And share your love, Lord God, and, and put myself out for others, Lord, and take a step of faith to pray for the sick, uh, to, to even dip into my pocket to, to help your kingdom extend and not worry about how I'm always going to make my own way in life. So many areas of your life get so healed and touched at an altar like this the generosity returns where there's been all nothing but selfishness oh I'll, I'll get involved in the church as long as there's something in it for me or I'll do this for you God as long as you do this for me it's nothing it's all but what can I do for you Lord what would you have me to do Lord God it's the heart of a servant it's the heart of someone that is so grateful that they've been forgiven so much that they're overjoyed and brim, brimming over with gratitude to the Lord as we worship I'm going to invite you to come forward we want to pray with you this morning the leaders are here to pray with you pray for a victory to descend back into your life that you leave here and you don't go back into the same vices that kept you in darkness for so long but you walk in the victory of the Lord Hallelujah. thank you for tuning in with us today make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church also make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have any questions, you can email us info at courtchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.courtchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.